When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Batter Listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 116 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wiggin. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So, everyone, baseball is back. <laughs> We're back, we baby. We made it. We made it through the lockout over over 90 days, I think, honing in on 100 days of lockout. Um, and it's over um, for now. <laughs> the winter of our discontent is over. Yeah, our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> um, and we will get to the specifics about the lockout and the new CBA um, in the second half of the show. Um, but in the first half of the show, let's talk about the Mets because the Mets got busy immediately after the lockout ended pretty much. Um, there has been a flurry of free agent signings and trades, uh, across baseball because there were a bunch of guys who remained unsigned and rosters unfinished, uh, that they are now in a huge rush to finish, um, and to, you know, get, get guys signed and get everybody's rosters filled. Um, and it's so much fun. It is so it's much like fun. All the best it's things the about the off season smashed into like five ridiculous days. Yes. This is the way off season off season should be. They should yeah. be. Yeah, give me five days of off season every year. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree. It's like, and, and 
like before, right before the lockout thing, things were this insane too. Like right before the lockout was when the Mets made all those, all the flurry of signings and a bunch of teams made a bunch of signings all at once. And then the lockout happened. There was, you know, multiple months of nothing. And now it's like all insane again. It's, it's wild. Uh, I was like, when I was compiling the show notes this week, I was like, I'm going to forget stuff because like so much has happened. I'm not used to like compiling like this much news anymore. I'm, I've settled into lockout mode where there's like two things to say. (laughs) Um, But the Mets, um, since the lockout ended, they have made a trade and a signing. Um, They have traded for A's starting pitcher Chris Bassett, um, who was an all-star last year. Um, So that sort of completes their rotation picture. Um, And they didn't have to trade anyone from the major league roster to do it. They traded prospects um, right-hander JT Jin and um, Adam Aller um, to the A's for Bassett. Now, Jin is the Mets' top pitching prospect um, from, you know, all the lists and from our our own Amazing Avenue um, experts and from what I understand from everybody who writes about this stuff. Um, Adam Aller is an interesting pitcher who, you know, was a late round draft pick, not really much in the way of prospect pedigree, who the Mets picked up in the minor league rule five draft. Um, I think two years ago um, or something like that. I don't remember exactly when, but they, they plucked him from the minor league rule five draft. And so he was, he was not a big name at all. Um, But, you know, he kind of became a guy whose stock has risen recently. Um, And he's actually a guy who's closer to the majors probably than JT Jin is because JT Jin had Tommy John, I think fairly recently. His name is Jin and not Gin. I think it's Jin. I so is this a gift gif situation? I, it, it might be. I mean, I we would need to ask JT himself to know for certain. But Do the complex to Queens guys know. Can they tell us? Can yeah, we- yeah. Uh, we have to ask <laughs> our friends over at from Complex to Queens. All I know is that the most recent, um, you know, analysis or like the most recent. Uh, podcast I was listening to about this was uh, was Jarrett Seidler and Jeffrey Padnastro over at For All You Kids Out There, and they are national prospect writers, and they pronounced it Jin. So I was like, okay, I guess that's I would take those pronounced. guys' word. Yeah, yeah. I would do, yeah. If Jeff and Jarrett are steering me wrong, sorry, everyone. Um, but yeah, it's possible that his name is JT Gin. I'm not sure. Um, but either way, um, he was the top uh, pitching prospect in the system, although one could argue for Matthew Allen, but Matthew Allen is obviously currently rehabbing from Tommy John surgery and ulnar nerve repositioning surgery, hmm, which they just like would... dropped that out of nowhere. If only um, they had signed a pitching prospect that they drafted. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, if only, uh, huh, they had signed a certain guy that they drafted. Um, hmm. But I I mean, like I, again, turn to our friends from comp- to, uh, on From Complex to Queens, turn to our friends on For All You Kids Out there all the other like awesome prospect writing and podcasting that's out there to learn a little bit more about these guys um but from what i understand about it um even though jt jen was very high on the the mets list and even higher when you just narrow that down to pitchers like the mets don't have a very good system and the pitching prospects especially are like pickings are pretty slim um, so like, it's not the type of guy that would rank very highly in most other team systems. And obviously he's not on the same level as the coveted Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio tier 
of prospects of uh, Francisco Alvarez, like the big guys that we wouldn't want to give up really. Um, so, and they didn't have to trade anyone from the major league roster. So I don't know. I'm really happy with this trade. Um, I mean, Chris Bassett's going to be pitching for the Mets every five days and he is good. The kind with the capital G. So I don't, where do I sign? I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I, I tweeted this, that I got the ESPN alert and it's like Mets trade for Oakland athletics. And I was like, Chapman Olson. And then I saw Chris Bassett. I was like, Oh, so I was a little disappointed because you can't compare Bassett to like one of those guys. Like my, like that's just where my mind went. But to be fair, it is a good trade. But on the flip side, the Mets rotation is now very old. <laughs> yeah, the Mets rotation is very old, but very good. But very <laughs> good. The upside is very high. And uh, to Bassett's credit, he has not had a robust injury history in his career. Well, Lowry. Yeah, well, obviously, like that doesn't mean that the second he becomes a Met, that won't <laughs> all change. Um, but he, you know, I think that Chris Bassett is, is a name that like Mets fans have not heard a lot, um, because he pitches in the other league. He pitches across the country and on the West coast. Say his game started 10 o'clock at night, Allison. I need to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I think <laughs> that, uh, most, most Mets fans probably haven't seen a lot of Chris Bassett and I don't, and I count myself among them. I have not personally seen a lot of Chris Bassett, but from what I've learned about him since, the trade I'm very excited about this. He's, he's like the type of pitcher who's like, he seems very, very underrated when it comes to like the national conversation, but he consistently will give you just like a, like 2.8 to 3.1 ERA. Like he'll basically be the number three. He'll do what Stroman did for us last year. And I think that's exactly what the Mets needed. Like they needed a guy like that. Um, and they got that, um, in Bassett. So I'm very excited about it. And, and it knocks everyone down that, um, down that depth chart. So yeah. all of a sudden who was going to be our number five is now, a uh, minor league depth waiting yep. for the next guy to come up and so on. And it just makes the whole, makes the whole team that much stronger. Yeah. Yeah. You're not relying on David Peterson or Tyler McGill now. Like you actually have. Who will for sure get their, get their, yeah, we'll get starts. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I like much better them being the guys coming up for the minors versus like, oh, look, it's July and David Peterson is now our number three starter. Like <laughs> yep. those moments. Yeah. We know We're those looking moments. to avoid that. Um, yeah. And we know those moments all too well. And hopefully we will. And, um, I forget who it was who who was talking about this. It was either it was a video segment I watched and I was putting together a morning news post recently because I, I had morning news like the day after the trade. So there was like a bunch of analysis pieces about the trade. And it was like a little video clip either from from SNY or MLB Network. And forgive me, I can't remember who it was that was talking, but they they made a good point, which is that like if you're the Mets and you're a team that's, you know, in it to win it so to speak, and you're looking at, you know, playoff rotations, right? Like having three guys that you can rely upon is super, super important because you can have, you have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, obviously the best one-two punch in the league. You know, you can't really argue otherwise, but that third guy in a seven game series is probably going to pitch two games for you also. So, you know, that's a huge boon to have, a guy who's a bona fide, you know, number two, number three starter um, behind those two pocket aces that they have. Um, well, we it's a big deal. We saw that in 2015. Like, 
the Dodgers had the two best pitchers in all baseball, but game three was a complete disaster for them. They had nobody yep. behind them. And that, yep. that decided the series. Yep. So if we're talking about that and hopefully the Mets are, the Mets are right there, then. Well, that was what worked in their favor too in 2015 mm-hmm. was being able to put out Harvey and DeGrom mm-hmm. and Syndergaard and all three of them just pitching like you'd want. Yeah, yep. just matching it's, up it's with the best good, pitchers in the league. It's yep. it's a good recipe for them. Yep, exactly. So this is this is a great trade. I'm very excited to have Chris Bassett on the team. And it seems like by all counts, he's like a really fun guy to root for. Um, a lot of like stuff coming out of the A's side was basically like everyone saying that he was like one of the best teammates they ever had, and like he had a lot of leadership ability and just like the type of things, like the type of person you like to see in your clubhouse. So that's exciting too. Um, he, 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 uh, he Kevin Pollard hit and like, he got hit with a line drive and oh, came back like right. much sooner than anyone thought. Um, so there's that, you know, hashtag gritty <laughs> thing going with Chris Bassett also that I think will endear him to the fan base. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, that was him. Oh, that was um, he took that was yeah, scary. a hundred mile per hour liner to the face. It was on Ugh. August 17th um, in Chicago, and he came back to make two starts in September. So that's like really impressive. Um, yeah, it was nasty. I don't recommend looking at the video replay of that. Then I think he did make a joke about it. Like, oh, I, he, like I should have caught it with my glove or something instead of my face. Or he, he definitely tried to joke about it. Yeah, it was very similar to the Pilar situation. Like he underwent surgery. He had to get reconstructive surgery because he had three fractures in his cheekbone. Um, yeah, but he still wound up 12 and four with a 3.15 ERA last year. 27 starts like the only starts he missed were because of that. Um, so that'll you play. Know, that certainly will play. Um he, he had been, I mean, he was in contention for the AL Cy Young Award before he missed like a little bit of time because of that line drive. Um, but yeah, so that is, that is a guy. And like on most teams, that's a number two on the Mets. That's a number three. <laughs> so that's <laughs> really nice. Um, the Mets, in addition to the Bassett trade, the Mets also bolstered their bullpen um, by signing Adam Odovino um to their bullpen uh so that's good they definitely needed to do at least one bullpen signing i would argue they need still another um but they've they even have a lefty on the roster i'm like not (laughs) that's well they signed mike montgomery today to a minor league deal yeah they have do they have another lefty no uh no um well they have so in the mine in the minor league deal tier um like you know a non-roster invitee that might make the team if they don't sign another guy they have mike montgomery and they also have alex claudio um he's left-handed um so if we do have lucchese too but yeah he's noises sad chirp noises he is not going to be ready for this season um (laughs) and obviously i mean david peterson's left-handed but i think that it's I think that when it comes to him, it's going to be rotation or minor leagues. It's I don't think he's going to end up in the bullpen in any capacity, um, because I think that um, worth noting that when it comes to like, you know, 
bullpen depth versus triple a long man depth. Um, Trevor Williams is out of options. Uh, so I have a feeling if they put a long man in the bullpen, it's going to be him. Um, and Jordan Yamamoto would have been out of options, but because he missed so much time, he has another, he like earned back another option year because of like, there's like a weird rule about it. I don't remember exactly the stipulations. It's like, oh, if you have like three years of service time in like a like certain amount of, I forget, but he he earned back another option year because he missed time. Um, and so he is optionable and he is back and throwing despite missing most of the uh, last season to injury. Um, so he's, you know, part of that depth. Um, but if they don't sign a lefty reliever of some kind, um, please sign Chafin, please, please, please. Um, if they don't do that, then it's going to be like the Mike Montgomery, Alex Claudio, like competing for that last spot because they mm. do need one lefty. Cause especially if De- David Peterson is not in the opening day starting rotation and we hope because if everyone is healthy, he shouldn't be. So if he is, then it's a bad sign. For Something has gone terribly wrong. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, there's already hints of that with uh, Walker having uh, issues. I a think. little bit, yeah. Um, but uh, then they have no left-handed starting pitchers either, which is not really a problem. But like it, then you you really do need a lefty in the bullpen. Then <laughs> like you kind of need yeah. it. Um, so- I miss loop. I know the one that got away. They they just let him walk for not that much money. Um, But it is what it is. Chafin's still out there. Um, Tony Watson's still out there. There's a couple of guys, uh, but they should act on that. But Adam Odovino is a good start, although obviously not left-handed, but like they needed, they basically needed two relievers. So check one. Uh, Adam Odovino is going to be like the seventh inning guy, more or less, um, behind uh, on the depth chart behind, you know, Edwin Diaz as the closer and Trevor May is the eighth inning guy. Um, well, and since Familia signed with the Phillies too. Yep. For more money than Adam Odovino, funnily <laughs> enough. Uh, so instead of paying Familia more money, uh, they opted for Adam Odovino, who's essentially got similar numbers. Uh, to Familia and I would argue he's a bit of a better pitcher at this stage in their respective careers but I mean I'm not saying that he's like a lights out guarantee uh, he can make you sweat as well but um, and he did take a dig at or I'm choosing to interpret it as a dig at the Yankees today um, yes. which was great because <laughs> he said like I- I'm happy to uh, sleep in my own bed I'm glad there's a good team in New York <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I was like oh dang because <laughs> uh, Adam Odovino also spent some time with the Yankees. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I'm excited about that signing. It's a good signing. They needed like a, a proven guy TM in the bullpen um, to sort of round it out, but they need one more guy, preferably a lefty. And when he's on, he's good to be yeah. fair. He has nasty yeah. stuff. He has yeah. nasty stuff. Reminds me a bit of Miguel Castro, actually, in that regard. Like, nasty oh, stuff. Jeez, my brain is totally broken. <laughs> Miguel Castro is still in this bullpen. That He is a guy that will have a guaranteed job. Um, yeah, and, and and like I mentioned, Edwin Diaz, Trevor May. Can they bring the sticky stuff back? Just mm. Yeah, please. I don't know where they landed on that in the CBA. That would uh that would certainly help uh Garrett Cole, although it would not help <laughs> Garrett Cole and uh Josh the new Yankee Josh Donaldson resolve their differences. <laughs> Ooh. 
Ooh, I'm just, I'm interpersonal just dispute. I'm just uh, munching my popcorn watching that play out. They do not like each other. They have extreme beef and it's over the sticky stuff. Cause like, if I recall correctly, like Donaldson basically just like called Cole a cheater straight out. Yeah, he did. And now they're on the same team. (laughs) That's fun. (laughs) I love it. I love it too. (laughs) Love these, love these trades. Love all these trades, watching it go down, not understanding what the hell the Yankees are doing. The Yankees have become the Mets and the Mets have become the Yankees. It's kind of amazing. Um, I mean, we say that, but also I would put more money on the Yankees making the playoffs than the Mets because I've burned, I've been burned in this way too often in the past. On one hand, you're right. Um, and the projections, like even the cold numbers say you're right. Um, on paper, the cold numbers, the projection systems, I mean, however much stock you put in them say that the Yankees are still a better team than the Mets right now. Um, however, a, I don't super think that's true. And I think that they're close. I think the Mets are a little better and B I think the Yankees have a much tougher division to contend with than the Mets do. <laughs> Especially since some of their players can't go into Canada. Yeah. Uh, so we will talk about that. Home field advantage. We will talk about that uh, in the second <laughs> half of the show, but yes, that is a factor for both teams uh, yeah. for both the, 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 the uh, vaccine rules are a factor now for both the Mets and the Yankees, but more so the Yankees because of the Canada factor. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you know that's the state of things with the Mets. Uh, still looking to make maybe ro- a fringe roster improvements. Um, Epler did say that he would be quote surprised if they added another big bat. Now, on one hand, sad face because I think that they could use like Bryant or Schwarber would really really round out this lineup. Like they're like one big bat short of like an excellent lineup right now. It is merely good, I would say. Um, but that's and I also feel like it's the the depth is I mean there's there's some good depth but I feel like once you lose a big bat or to injury or like God forbid more than one then it really like the holes start to show up fast. Well, yeah, we saw it last year. We saw it with Lindor when him yep. and Jake went down. They were done. Yeah, the out and the outfield depth is newspaper thin. Like God, like they. I mean, like. Yes, well, they got they, Nick Plummer. They got Nick Plummer, and he's probably going to make the opening day roster. I have no doubt. Right now, he's their fourth outfielder. Well, they said they're going to try JD in the outfield again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, sure, but that is not there. an ideal <laughs> defensive alignment. <laughs> Suboptimal <laughs> is probably how I would describe it. it having mm. JD Davis and Dominic Smith as your corner outfield death is <laughs> suboptimal, <laughs> I would say. Um, and I mean, and well, actually I would say like above those guys in the pecking order as outfield depth is actually Jeff McNeil, but like, he's the starting second baseman. So you can't like double count him. (laughs) He's the starting second baseman and also the fourth outfielder. Like the shifts rules just got really weird. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, you know, Again, a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot, a weirdly, a lot rides on how Robinson Cano looks and whether he looks completely cooked or not. Cause like if Robinson Cano is not completely cooked or like, you know, he's juicing again and just hasn't gotten caught yet. It's just gotten better at it. He's gotten better at it. Then like he, he may actually, depending on like how capable he is of like standing there at second base, then like, you know, McNeil can mix in corner outfield and Cano can play second base once a week. And the rest of the time he DHs like, that's probably fine. Um, 
but that hinges a lot on Robinson Cano not being cooked. And I'm not super comfortable with hinging anything on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, hello, Janeshwi Fargus is back. Janeshwi Fargus is back. The king, the king. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, they like, it would be nice if they signed another big bat and then I would be like, like Chris Bryan who can play left field can play left field and third base. Then I would feel like very super comfortable with this team. Um, it doesn't seem like they are in, in that regard, but that said, like, you know, Epler and any GM will always say like, I'd be surprised right up until the moment it happens, you know, like, all it takes like, is we one We literally text. heard nothing on like, Oh, yeah, we're desperate as hell. If we don't get another bat, we are screwed. Yeah, screwed. he's not going to say that to the media. Like, there goes your leverage, right? <laughs> Whoever shows up first is just going to be able to take us to the cleaners because we are desperate. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Either way, um, regardless of whatever, you know, minor or major uh, roster improvements remain, we are getting grainy spring training videos injected into my veins. <laughs> like it's Pete happening, Alonzo folks. murdering baseballs that had their whole life ahead of them. It's true. And, <laughs> and Max and Jake throwing side by side like, oh, God. Like, and Max I just swearing at himself. Too. Just like popping. Just like watching those two throw side by side, like my ser- my serotonin levels went like through the roof. I was like, I'm gonna run through a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I, in the 60s in New York this week. So yeah, I know. Look out, world. I know. Just like we are you know, happy. I'm about to like twirl around like Maria Von Trapp. With the sound of gloves popping and yes. baseball oh. dying. Yes. Um, but uh, so some some notes from Mets camp so far. Now that folks are reporting, we aren't just getting graining, grainy spring training. Whoa, say that three times fast. Grainy spring training uh, videos. We are also getting like a few, you know, news and noteworthy things. Um Jake, uh, Jake had his first press availability today, and uh, he did notably say that he intends to opt out of his contract. He said it outright. I mean, which he should, which he should do. He should do. It took some prodding to get him to say it outright because he kind of said like, well, they asked him about like, oh, the opt out is coming. Like, what's the situation? And he said like what he has been saying up until this point, which is basically like, you know, I don't want to distract during the season, like 
you know, we will, you know, I'll be in constant contact with Steve Cohen, with the front office. Like we will, I want to, it would be cool for me to stay met for the rest of my career, yada, yada, said all the right things that he has been saying, but then someone followed up with. So just to be clear, your intention is to opt out. And he kind of did a pause and was like, yes. <laughs> um, so, and I was, I was, you know, like I was, I appreciated the frankness and honesty on his part because, you know, it like, and he should, he should, he should opt out. Like we said, it's the right move for him to opt out of this contract. And it was probably always his intention to negotiate a better deal once he proves he is still effective and healthy. <laughs> You know, um, I don't think I, like this caused Mets Twitter to sort of whip itself into a frenzy as usual, just being like, Drake said he's going to opt out. And it's like, I, I know that this probably would have warranted this level of panic under Wilpon Mets, but we need to like, we need to like shed our, shed a little bit of our Wilpon PTSD here and realize that like the Steve Cohen Mets will likely write whatever blank check it takes to keep Jacob DeGrom as a Met. Well, I was a little nervous last year because it said he was growing upset with the with the front office, um, with the way they were like running the team. And then he got really mad when Sandy said his UCL had a tear. Um, so yeah, all the injury stuff is still weird as shit. Yeah. <laughs> So I so I was getting a little a little uh, nervous that you know that that you know maybe the relationship wasn't that friendly anymore, um, but you know he seemed he seems in a good place. Let's put it that way. Like his face lit up when they mentioned Max Scherzer. Like now he knows the front office is committed to winning, so all his fears should be put to rest. Like you got literal Max Scherzer. And so, and because, you know, when he talked about David Wright and stuff, he always said, it's really cool that he spent his whole career with the Mets. And he was like, and I want to do that. So he's been pretty open about saying that, that he doesn't want to go anywhere else. So I'm in a much better place now than later. He took a, and he took a big cut in it. I mean, not, pay cut but he could have gotten paid a lot more someplace else right he did sign with the Mets for with the Mets you know a few years ago it's it like compared to I mean if you look around at Max Scherzer's contract for example don't have to look very far you know that Jake's contract's a huge team discount a huge team discount for the top and Garrett Cole too and Garrett Cole's contract So, you know, it's a huge discount. And so he knows that he can get more and he intends to. And Max Scherzer talked about this during, you know, during the negotiations. Um, He said, like, I don't just I'm not just doing this for me. Like, I'm doing this for all the other free agents that come after me. Like, they realize guys like Cole, guys like Scherzer and Jake realize that they're the top tier, that they're the top of the market and whatever they sign for sets the market for everybody else. And that's, and it's the same thing for position players. It's the same thing when, you know, guys like Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Mike Trout are negotiating these big, Lindor are negotiating these big contracts. They know that they're setting the market for every player like them coming down the pike. Yeah, and then Scherzer is, you know, I mean, he was active in those, in the negotiations, and he was pretty, you know, he he spoke openly about, you know, wanting 
to make things better for for everybody in the game. He's benefited from it, so he wants to make sure everybody does. So, you know, he he is very wary, I mean, very much aware of, you know, what his, his actions could have ripple effects. Yeah. So, you know, don't panic, obviously. Like, you know, there will be plenty of time to panic <laughs> in the future. <laughs> but for now, it's let's just hope to enjoy another year of Healthy Jake, which would be awesome. Which they um, say is okay from Jake's lips to God's ears. Yeah, he says he's okay and the UCL is fine. And they even I asked him about the I, Sandy Alderson thing. And he didn't, like, he didn't, like huff or like roll his eyes or do like any sort of like he didn't seem like perturbed by the question he kind of just said like well there was inflammation and now it's fine so I didn't love the way he phrased it he he, Jake he said something along the lines of like everyone says my UCL is fine or like I've been told my UCL is fine or something like that I'm like hmm that's not how I would have said that statement (laughs) but sure let's roll with it I mean it's probably just Mets PTSD but like freezing yeah yeah I see what you mean I hadn't really thought about that but you're right but you know choosing to believe (laughs) yes no please please believe Um, let me take that away from you So in other like minor, you know, kind of injury notes uh, from camp, uh, like I mentioned, Jordan Yamamoto, who missed most of his last uh, season to injury, is throwing um, bullpens. So he seems to be, you know, ramping up. And And he had a baby, right? Yeah. He did. A very adorable baby. Very cute Yay. Welcome, baby Yamamoto. Who posted. The Mets family. His wife posted a picture of said baby with a Mets bow on, and the bow is like the size of her head. Yeah. (laughs) It was amazing. Amazing. Um, and then Starling Marte had been experiencing some oblique soreness. That was like the first like, oh, no, of the year. Of course, you had to have at least one um, that limited his activities on like the first day of camp. But like his tests supposedly came back clean. No one seemed concerned. And he participated in full workouts today. So seems OK. Knock on all the wood. Um And then, as Linda alluded to earlier, Taiwan Walker is a bit behind in his ramp up because he had knee surgery in the offseason, which is like a sudden news item. Um, I Googled because like it was like a like knee debridement surgery. And I was like, I have never heard of this in my life. So you're taking stuff out of it. Yeah, it basically yeah. is. Like, they basically are, like, removing bone chips and other gunk from your just knee. clean out the whole... Just clean like it on you out. really just have to clean the couch. When you just have to really <laughs> dig in there. Yep, exactly. You, take a you know there's problems. Doing. It just has to go. Yeah, just, like, lift the couch cushions, take the vacuum with the with the brush attachment, and go in there and kind of be, like... In those corners, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it seems like it's that it was like, it's it, like, even the article that I read from like Mayo Clinic or whatever says it's like a minor surgery. Um, so he, he's like a bit behind everybody else. Cause he's still rehabbing that, but he still expects to be ready for opening day. And he's like throwing right now. Um, but if he misses like maybe one start at the beginning of the year, that'd be why, um, I wouldn't be terribly sad if Taiwan Walker didn't get a slightly smaller workload this year than last yeah, year that might, that might he could use well. it he could use it and that's where guys like you know seriously though that's where like the tyler mcgills and david petersons of the world like mix in here like it would not i mean 
I think uh, who was who were we talking about this with recently in Amazing Avenue? So like I think Kate Feldman brought it up recently about like it wouldn't be surprising to see a lot of teams and I'm not saying the Mets will do this, but it wouldn't be surprising to see a lot of teams go with six man rotations, especially early because of a, the shorter ramp up than usual and b all the double headers that will have to be crammed into the schedule to make, to make 162 games happen. We saw some of that in the 2020 season and we might, we might see it again and it wouldn't be super surprising to see it. Um. Well, but, but yeah. also good news, Carlos Carrasco said he's ahead of where he should be. Well, you love to hear that, <laughs> especially compared to last year. Because <laughs> he said he's usually throwing like 85 at this time of year, and today he hit 92. <laughs> well, dang. Like, I mean, okay, great. Sure. He seems happy. I'm thinking that is good news. All right. Yeah. Having, having real Carlos Carrasco back would be pretty cool. <laughs> Instead yes. of whatever version of Carlos Carrasco we saw last year. Which was not great. Not no. ideal. I still um, believe in him. I believe in Cook. I do too. I, I want him to be successful as a Met so badly. I do too. Um, so the other note that came out of camp, uh, the early first couple of days of camp, is actually very scary and sobering. Um, for those of you who didn't hear, um, Pete Alonzo got into a really bad car accident um, coming to camp. Um in Florida, like five minutes from his house. Um, and his wife posted, you know, video of what the car looked like afterwards. And my God, it's very scary. The car is, it's unbelievable. Cold. He walked away from that. Just yeah. like, you know, like and absolutely he's, shocking. He's in camp taking batting practice without a scratch on him. And his car is like completely crunched and he had to kick the windshield out to escape the car. Apparently he was, uh, he, he was T-boned by a driver going really fast who ran a red light and his car flipped three times and he just walked away. Like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> he is cut from something else, this, man. That is, like, that's this crazy. This man was able to kick out his own windshield. He's a very strong man, Linda. Have you seen <laughs> He's him? He's a very strong man. <laughs> but I also, I love, um, I love him basically coming out and saying like that this has given him a new appreciation <laughs> for life and for baseball. And like, boy, there's anyone out there who really needed the attitude adjustment. <laughs> I'm not sure it's Pete Alonzo. Oh, no. like, <laughs> He's like, already high on life. <laughs> as if the man didn't appreciate life and baseball enough. <laughs> Now he appreciates it even more. Who's a man whose entire life is hit baseball as hard as I possibly can and get very excited about it. <laughs> like, it all like looks genetically like engineered puppy. for the home run derby literally, and for kicking out windshields and for kicking out windshields, apparently. Um, but yeah, we're, we're all really happy to hear that Pete Alonso is okay. And like, thank goodness. Like, wow. Drive what, carefully folks. You never know when a car might have a major league baseball player in it. Yeah, seriously. And like, just you know don't run red lights and like don't like act like an asshole on the road and seatbelts his wife mentioned seatbelts too yeah if he hadn't been wearing a seatbelt he would not be here he would not be here and then Um, then even today like he was like messing around and like mimicking sean reed foley's like stands so pete seems (laughs) like completely moved on his like pterodactyl craig kimbrell thing that he does yeah but also, I, like, how scary that must have been for, like, she said, I thought I just watched my husband die. Like, yeah, I, I can't even imagine what she was going through. 
Yeah, sobering. Pete, Pete shouted her out when he was talking about it. He was like, my wife is such a trooper. Like she because she like ran over to, and like called for him because obviously all she sees is the, the remnants of the car. And so she runs over and screams for him. And he says, like, I like he yells back, like, I'm OK. I'm going to kick out the windshield. And she called the authorities, corralled their dogs who were like somewhere during all of this. Um, yeah. And called the authorities and got got help and was there the whole time and just yeah i can't imagine watching that that like just hug your first baseman people you never know life's so short well like i i said like that were me i'd be terrified i would pass out and then the paramedics would be like oh my god she needs medical attention it's like no that's just what i do help him yeah right like i would not be upright whatsoever even though i wasn't in the car that got hit (laughs) yeah um In other Mets notes that aren't related to spring training necessarily, um, the Mets parted ways, quote, um, with executive vice president and chief marketing officer David Newman. Um, Is that the David Newman from last May's reveal that he had been involved in sexual harassment for multiple years, Allison? Is it that David Newman? The very same, Maggie, the very same. The very same um, one that Sandy rehired, even with all those accusations? Correct, Linda. Correct. <laughs> he <laughs> rejoined the organization under Sandy Alderson in 2020 after serving as senior vice president from 2005 to 2018. Um, and he was rehired despite the fact that multiple women went to Sandy Alderson with their concerns over Newman's continued sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. The, you you all remember the reporting from The Athletic. We will link it again. You can go back and read it again. It was bad. Um, now, it is entirely unclear to me, and I think most people, except people who have direct knowledge of the situation, if this parting of ways is at all related to his past actions or not. Like, I, I have, like, I don't know. I'm of two minds about it. On one hand, like, why else would it be? Like, why else? But on the other hand, I'm like, if they were parting ways with him because of this, because of the sexual harassment, wouldn't they want to, like, PR it up and be like, look how good we're doing with our, like, you know, attempt to remake ourselves as, like, an ethical franchise? I mean, well, the they're obvious- keeping him as a consultant, so he's not even gone. No, he's not even really gone. That is worth noting. He's still going to be a consultant for the team. So he's still on team payroll, just not in as a public facing a role, I guess. Well, the, the obvious answer for why it's happening now is, y'all know he did it again. Mm. They don't mm-hmm. stop. I mean, I'm not, like... Don't don't sue me, David Newman. <laughs> but I mean, that is what makes the most sense that they would do it now, but they would try to do it like relatively quietly. So but yeah, anyway, hope he didn't hope he's just spending more time with his family. Yeah, well, Whatever. we'll see. Anyway, just figured we'd note that um, that that happened. Um, something uh, that we kind of alluded to a little bit um, and we'll talk more about the CBA in in a minute, but this is like a Met specific thing with the CBA. Um, As Linda said, as, as we all said, you know, Max Scherzer was a very um, key part of these negotiations. He's part of the executive board. He's one of the like leading uh, player advocates um, in the union. Um, And the Mets ended up to be one of the four teams to vote against 
the collective bargaining agreement that is now in place, um, in part due to what everyone is referring to as the Cohen tax, uh, which is the new uh, fourth CBA tier. So before the CBA uh, or CBT tier, I'm sorry, I wrote, I even wrote CBA tier. In the There's a lot notes. of CBs. It's yeah. <laughs> CB Buckner, the CB Buckner tier, um, <laughs> the fourth CBT tier. Now, before there were only three tiers to the competitive balance tax. It was basically like if you spend over this first amount, you have these penalties, second amount, these steeper penalties, third amount, these steeper penalties. Now there's a fourth tier that's at $290 million um, that the Mets are currently like just under and are likely to exceed by when all is said and done. Um, And the Mets reps and Scherzer in particular were vocal uh, against against this because they felt it was, you know, a particular uh, target of their owner and, you know, and more broadly discouraging spending. Um, And but the players ultimately went against the union executive board who voted unanimously against the CBA. So the union executive board has eight members. They voted eight zero against Um, But all it needs is a simple majority and the players who are not executive board pretty much voted uh, the teams uh, pretty much all voted in favor. They voted like 21 to six or something like that. I'm trying to remember the math in my head and ended up being 21 to 12. So it's 21 for the teams. Yeah, I'm dumb. Mets were one of the four teams that voted against. Right. So it was 21 to four. And then the eight exec board voted against. So the ultimate vote was 2112. So the CBA passed. Um, but um, worth noting that Cohen already seems unfazed by the whole thing. <laughs> and he like, did say that it would be better to have a tax named after you than a bridge, which was hilarious, which is amazing. <laughs> and I think he's probably the only human on the planet who feels that way. But like, he just so happens to be the yeah. owner of the New York Metropolitan. So yep, yep. Um, he, and he said that it was like, he said, like, we're likely going to go over the, the tax. So, um, the worth noting that the tax itself. So my understanding of it was now you may want to clear this up by some last minute Googling, but I was having a conversation with my dad about this because he was like, oh, I heard if you go over the, the fourth tier, if you, if you go over the Cohen tax, your draft pick drops 10 slots. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 I thought that I thought the draft pick stuff was all in the lower tiers and the fourth tier was just money. Is that wrong? I don't know. I always hmm. thought it was money, too, because I did hear they- about the draft pick dropping 10 slots thing, but I thought that was a penalty in one of the lower tiers. I thought was that in the final, I can't keep them all straight. Was that even in the final version or was that one of the earlier versions? I do recall that the Mets are now looking at, at a draft pick lowering. Oh, well, probably worth it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, you can just sign somebody who's better. Yeah. We'll live. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the Cohen tax was an issue um, that, that the Mets specifically had with the CBA, but it passed anyway. Therefore, baseball is back. <laughs> um, so so we're, we're moving into more general baseball stuff now. And so we'll review really quickly um, the highlights from the new CBA, like what's different now. 
Um, opening day is now April 7th uh, because it took them so long to reach a CBA because of the owners, because the owners locked out the players and didn't negotiate for two months. Um, the season will thus be extended by a few days um, and double headers will be played to make, to make up the, to make up the games so that they can play a 162 game season. At least that is the intention. Um, those double headers will be nine innings worth noting because in previous years, they were the double headers were seven innings. They are nine innings again. Um, they've also taken away the dreaded runner on second in on second base to start extra innings, which Although I'm I heard very they are about. considering bringing that back. Uh, know, yes. Which is a shame because it is the less egregious of the, or it's the more egregious of the rules that it's have been. the most egregious. It's, it's the worst it. thing. I hate it. Um, I hate it so much. Um, like I will concede on everything else. Like the DH, even though I hate the DH, I will concede on the DH. I'll concede on the double headers. I'll concede on everything else. I hate the stupid runner. The ghost runner is horse shit. It sucks. Absolutely. Um, well, then they were talking about a ghost win, ghost runner. It's like, <laughs> I'll take a ghost to- win before a ghost runner. Yes. That's how strongly I feel. About it. I agree. <laughs> But it's good that they don't have to employ the ghost win in the playoffs either. The the um yes. the playoffs are going to be a 12-team format um, with the top two seeds in each league getting a bye in the first round. And then the remaining teams that don't have the byes play a three-game series in the first round with the higher of the two seeds play being the home team for that series. So, like... It is still advantageous to win your if you're like the winner of the worst of the divisions in your league. Um, it is still advantageous to win the division because you will be like the auto three seed basically. Um, and then you'll play like the um the the worst seed in the three game series round, more or less. Um, so that's good. Um, and then it also uh, does away with the uh, game 163s. Yes, there will be no more in season tiebreakers. Yes, yeah. there will be no more if two teams have the same record. Um, that that tie is going to be broken by like you know, it's kind of like how football works now. Like, two teams have the same record, and the, the seating is settled by things like head to head record with the two teams, or like you know, there are like orders of things like first it's head to head record. And then if that's also tied, then it's this. And if that's also tied, then it's that I don't remember like all the things that are going to go into this, into the baseball version of it, but I will miss the chaos though. I know it was nice, but you kind of had to, since you're adding this three game series round to the playoffs, there's no way around it. You kind of had to like get rid of the game 163. Otherwise the playoffs are dragged on forever. Um, so hockey, I'm looking at you. Sorry, Linda. <laughs> the hockey ones are the best, though. <laughs> Although they are really long. I mean, there are a lot of rounds, but still, they're still exciting. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, the dreaded slash celebrated Universal DH is here. Um, the National League has the oh. DH now. Uh, that cat is out of the bag and is no. not going back in. I came to terms with it no. a long time ago. I I like am mad. But I'm like, I'm like silently seething, basically, is like my You know state. that gif of Amy Poehler who goes, no, while pouting? That's me. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. I'm Amy Poehler pouting. I yeah. just, on, at this point, though, I honestly wish it had happened a few years ago when the Mets kept rostering DHs for no reason at all. 
Well, yeah. they still live by that philosophy. So. It, the the like piece that I am making is I am just hoping that this keeps Jake healthier. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> whatever keeps Jake healthier, fine. I can live with it because like, you know, a lot of Jake was saying like a lot of the injuries, like injury issues last season were from swinging the bat, not from throwing. So if it keeps him healthier, if I have to sacrifice, you know, uh, having the DH in the national league to keep Jake healthy, I guess it's the, I guess it's the, I guess comic where he like throws up his hands and goes, I guess <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there's I also Amy Poehler <laughs> and Linda's Amy Poehler. Um, the uh, the other details, the like more economic details, like those are like the rule change details, the game structure details. The economic details are that there is a you know new pre-arbitration bonus pool reward to the top young players um, to sort of help you know the top young players get paid their due because obviously right now like a lot of the game relies on you know underpaying the top talent, such as the Juan Soto's of the world who are, you know, pre-arbitration and make no money, but are like the top producers in the game. Um, to, and to a unique extent, it's, yes. they're the only big four sports team that has near or sports league that has nearly that disproportionate amount of the productivity coming from the least paid players. It's yeah. a really skewed system. Yeah. And still is. And still is. And still yeah, is. It didn't get much better. But it's something. It's something. Yeah. And obviously, as anyone who is following the labor negotiations knows, the amount of money in said bonus pool was was different between the sides. And they eventually met in the middle. Like the players wanted, obviously, like a big pool and the owners wanted a small pool. And then they eventually met in the middle. Um, the minimum salary is now higher um, on the order of like seven hundred something thousand dollars as opposed to like five fifty. It was before. Um and that's just like, you know, keeping up with inflation, <laughs> um, basically. Um, the uh, the players fought uh, really hard on the competitive balance tax and managed to, you know, keep the tax penalties at status quo. The owners wanted way worse penalties for going over the, the competitive balance tax threshold. The players managed to keep the current penalties the but the CBT thresholds are now higher. And that was that was a victory for the owners is that the um, and, you know, but not as much of a victory as they wanted. Obviously, they started out even higher and they eventually met in the middle. But the owners got the 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 uh, the thresholds or no, that's a player win. What is my brain doing? <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot going on. Allison. There's a lot I going think. on my brain. The player victory. <laughs> The CBT thresholds are higher, so you you can spend more without going over the thing, without going over the threshold. Uh, I hate my life. Uh, we got it. The got thing it. over the thing leads to the thing. Leads to the thing. I can't. Um, there is now. <sighs> it's also, only Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's only Tuesday. There is now also a draft lottery to mitigate tanking. Um, that's a big anti-tanking thing now, instead of like, you know, if you're the worst team, you automatically get the highest pick. It's, it's a lottery similar to what the NBA employs. I don't know the exact ins and outs of the NBA draft because I don't follow the NBA, but I know they employ a lottery and it's kind of like a situation where the teams with the worst records get higher odds of getting better draft picks, but it's not guaranteed to them. 
Um, so there's more of a lottery system there. Um, there's limits on how many times a player can be optioned in a season. Um, I think it's like four or five times. Um, so that's a new thing that there wasn't a limit before. Um, and then it, as far as like game structure changes, there's like now a committee in place to debate and decide on additional rule changes um, that may be coming down the pike, which would include a pitch clock, larger base sizes, maybe, you know, automatic strike zone slash robot umpires, things that are being tested in the minor leagues currently um, might end up in the major leagues in the future, but won't be here yet. But it's an improvement that they created a committee to talk about these things because before MLB would just like unilaterally impose these changes without like really having a discussion <laughs> with the players about it. And now this committee is going to have representation from the league and the player side, I think, if I remember rightly. Yeah, yes. but they still tilted the odds in the league. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, just it's still pretty disproportionate, but yeah. better than nothing. Better than nothing. Um, so that's like the story like of the 2022 MLB CBA better, better than, than nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those are the, those are the major things. Um, something else that is affecting baseball this year is still the continued global pandemic. Um, and you know, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Yeah, we are we are speaking. We are recording this podcast on March fifteenth. 2022 after the like right after this second year anniversary of the pandemic um and so you know canada it has canada has long been a subject of discussion in this regard um because canada has uh rules about unvaccinated people being able to enter the country which they cannot do smart um uh, you know, smart. And and worth pointing out, too, when in discussions about like Canada specifically, this would be true of Canadian players coming to America, too. Don't forget, like if you had Toronto Blue Jays coming to America who were unvaccinated, they wouldn't be able to. It's just that there are no Toronto Blue Jays who are unvaccinated as far as <laughs> I know. It's a bigger problem in hockey. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> So it, it goes the other way too. like, let's not pretend that this is Canada having some like onerous policy. Well, first of all, even if it was a, a Canada only policy and not a U.S. policy, it's a good policy. But this is this is not unique to Canada. Like if Canadian players were trying to come to America, they'd, they'd face the same challenges. It's just like that's not what's happening. Um, anyway, so teams that play the Toronto Blue Jays a lot, such as teams in the NLE, AL East, are facing issues because their players won't be able to play in Canada. Their unvaccinated players won't be able to play in Canada. Um, now, a new, it's not new, but sort of a new discourse over this arose today with regard to New York City specifically. And Maggie knows much more about this than I do because I, <laughs> I admit I have not been following it. I mean, I knew that this was like a thing because of Kyrie Irving. I knew this was a thing, but I like didn't really understand how it applied, didn't apply to baseball. It seemed like people were sort of assuming that this rule that is not allowing Kyrie Irving, notably unvaccinated Brooklyn Net to play. Um, his home games in New York City, where they have a rule uh, about venues and unvaccinated people. Um, well, let me let me I'm going to step in and correct you, though, Allison, because the rule is actually not about venues. And that's why it gets confusing. So like, yes. oh, well, they have unvaccinated fans. It's about employers. No. Right. It's it's saying that the Mets cannot require 
their employees to come in person to a workplace that is filled with unvaccinated people. It's actually like it it makes a lot of sense if you think of it as like applying to the five million New Yorkers who work in offices and like, you know, salons and restaurants as opposed to the, you know, 50 New Yorkers who play baseball professionally. Right, right. But that is, I mean, I think that's a big source of the confusion as to why it's a factor. Like, oh, well, it's outside and nobody is required. But like, no, it's saying that if, you know, you're hired by somebody, you are not required to like go into some germ-infested locker room or whatever. Right. Anyway, Um, I mean, they're probably going to repeal it anyway because Adams is a clown. But um, yeah, that is that is the sticking point. And that's why it doesn't matter that the venue specific vaccine mandate is gone. It's about it's because they're employers. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a private sector mandate. Um, It's um, and like so like Maggie alluded to, I think that there was just this like widespread assumption that this was like not applying to baseball for some reason, because baseball is outdoors, whereas basketball is indoors. Um, And someone from the New York Daily News tweeted, uh, Stefan Brody tweeted or Bondi, I'm sorry. Stefan Bondi tweeted, um, spoke to a city hall spokesperson and the Yankees and Mets fall under the same private sector mandate as Kyrie Irving in the Nets. No difference because it's an outdoor sport. Spokesperson spokesperson cautioned that things could change by opening day. So kind of implying that this rule applies to the Mets and the Yankees, just like it does the Nets, meaning that the unvaccinated players on the Yankees and the Mets would not be able to play at home is essentially the like ultimate implication of this. Um, And worth noting that Stephanie Epstein tweeted um, that in the CBA, teams are allowed but not required to dock pay or service time to players who miss games because they are unvaccinated. It's up to each team to decide how to handle the situation. So let's say that this rule stays in place um, for the start of baseball season and the Yankees have Aaron Judge, who is pretty clearly unvaccinated. Um, he was asked took him like 800 words to get there. (laughs) He was asked today whether he was vaccinated and gave a very, um, curious reply to that. Um, that basically amounted to, I'm not, but I'm not going to say it outright and I'm just going to dance around it. Webster's Um, dictionary defines vaccinated as, (laughs) as, um, like, you know, so the Yankees, this means that the Yankees get to decide if Aaron judge ends up missing, you know, X amount of home games, while this rule is in place because he can't play because he's unvaccinated, the Yankees are allowed to decide whether they want to dock his pay for that and say, you didn't play so we can take away your pay or dock service time or whatever else. Um, So that's interesting. Um, There has been, you know, because Aaron judge has been like publicly, you know, very like, it's been pretty public that he's not vaccinated and there have been reports that multiple Yankees are not vaccinated. And that's already kind of been out there because it's already been talked about with respect to the Canada issues because they play the blue Jays a lot because they're in the same division. Similar like speculation has not really been reported much about the Mets, but this would apply to the Mets as well. And as we all know, the Mets did not reach the 85% vaccination threshold last season. <laughs> well, and as, um, as friend of the pod, Bradford pointed out on Twitter today, it's that they did get close. Um, but it's also team wide, like across the entire tier, which includes non-players 
Right. And, or wait, no, this was not Bradford. This was from uh, one of the beats and I cannot remember who. It was Puma. Yes. That's why I couldn't remember. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but that the players, it was closer to 55%. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a problem because there's no threshold for this. It's not like if, yeah. 85% 85% of the players get vaccinated. It's all good. They can all Every play. individual player who doesn't get vaccinated cannot play. Right. At home. At home. Um, you know, I have my, my background is in public health. And just from that perspective, I would say, get the shot, you big, dumb babies. Yep. Like that is the, the current, you know, public health advisory is to get the shot, you big, dumb babies good thing it's really easy to fix this <laughs> there's it been a vaccine van like- on our corner for like a month it's well, and it seems everywhere like you go Michelle walter is like i think having buck is well is a good presence in the clubhouse too like and max, max scherzer, scherzer. Too. Yeah. i haven't he's gonna like shove some dudes into lockers like <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna give guys swirlies if they don't get vaccinated which is great, <laughs> in my view yeah, like look Max Scherzer in the eye and tell him you're not vaccinated and see how that ends. Which eye? <laughs> Pick one. They're both, the results the same. They're both scary. Um, but like, I'm not gonna. I mean, in Amazing Avenue Slack, we have had discussions about which players, based on hearsay and rumors. And, you know, speculation based on, you know, public political leanings, public political leanings, which players may or may not be vaccinated. I'm not going to do this on the podcast in a public forum. I have no like verifiable information. I mean, we do know certain players for certain that are vaccinated because we saw photographic evidence of it, like Miguel Castro, Francisco Lindor, like with needles in their arms, like pictures of it. Joey Um, Lucchese. Joey Lucchese. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and speculate. I will say that obviously the Mets have a different roster than they had last season. And some of the players who were not vaccinated are possibly no longer on the team anymore, but that doesn't mean, you know, the, the roster turnover means some unvaccinated may have left. Some unvaccinated may have came who may have come. Who knows? Like, it's hard to say, but I, I would be surprised let's just put this this way. I would be surprised if the Mets are hundred percent vaccinated right now among the players. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. So pretty damn soon, unless this is lifted because, you know, like Maggie said, they might just lift it because Eric Adams sucks. Um, unless this is lifted, the Mets are going to have some problems <laughs> really fast. And the, the first really problem fast. might be Jacob. <laughs> I'm just saying again, not to try to get to <laughs> speculating here, but you know, we're not talking about like rando fourth outfielders if the Mets had a fourth outfielder. Right. Like, like that's the thing. It's kind of main big guns sort of folks here. Yeah. Like or- this is not just fringe guys. Like, let's be real. So, like, I and I have said this publicly on Twitter, so I have no problem saying it on the podcast. I have many issues with Sandy Alderson, which I've covered in great depth on this show. The one thing I don't have an issue with when it comes to Sandy Alderson is his his like dealing with the way he has dealt with this pandemic and vaccination on the on the part of the Mets, because the Mets. Yeah, it's true. The Mets did not hit their 85 percent, but that is not out of lack of trying on the part of Sandy Alderson. 
He, it is very clear that he really, really wanted everyone to be vaccinated and tried very hard and, you know, did incentivized it in certain ways. Let's just put it this way. I think if there were fringe players who were not vaccinated, they would be on the roster. He basically threatened to demote guys who were not vaccinated. Now he's not going to do that to say Jacob deGrom, but he's going to do it to say Trevor Williams I'm not, I'm not saying that Trevor Williams might be one of those guys. It's just a random name I picked because he's like a guy who might or might not make the roster like a fringe candidate. But a guy like that, Sandy Alderson's not going to let you make the team if you're unvaccinated. But <laughs> he can't do that to the stars on the team. And like, so. nor should. I mean, that's the thing is like, why would you want someone on your team who's a vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That to me, like, that's. It's the same reason that the army requires not just COVID vaccines, but like a million vaccines that y'all and I have not even ever gotten. Um, right. is, it's, a, it's a readiness issue. Exactly. It's like you have to be able to go out there and do your job no matter what. And we do everything in our power to keep, you know, unfortunate luck out of it, such as giving you shots for everything under the sun. Right. Well, I like- mentioned this before, like, in the NHL, they had a grand total of five players in the entire league not vaccinated. Five. And this is the whitest, most mega, like, league out there. So if we, I, but then they said the league made it very clear it, it would be very hard on us if we didn't do it. So it's like, it's almost like mandates work. And they do. if they knew they were putting their team at risk they went for it and I don't know if it's just baseball's messaging or again also obviously hockey is a bigger issue with players you know having to cross over to Canada all the time so that's a lack of consequences which they will start to face now yeah I think there's also the uh, the timing of it I think is is suboptimal for actually like getting the public health message across because last season the vaccines were by some counts, relatively new. They weren't even available for everyone until after the season had already started. Um, And now some people, some people are saying that it's all over. We don't need it anymore. It's no big deal now. Um, So I feel like the, the, like baseball has sort of fallen into the conversation at the wrong times to actually have it be a serious conversation. Whereas like the other sports were getting into it, like later in the fall and then going through the winter, like, I don't know, but it's, it, it definitely, baseball is definitely not doing, it's definitely looking great in all this. Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, you have the baseball players are crazy people, right? Athletes in general are crazy people. And like, you know, you know, there's a whole crop of dudes who like, aren't really po- being political air quotes about this and just are like, it'll mess up my routine and I don't want to miss two games yeah. and my arm is going to hurt. Um, and like, there's no excuse for that crop of dudes to not have gotten it in the off season. Yeah, <laughs> there was on. a 90 mm-hmm. day lockout, <laughs> sir. Mm-hmm. What were you doing <laughs> with your life? Yeah, oh, were you busy that day? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but this now, like if this stays in place, this will and and the Canada rule to a certain extent will also, although that affects a more like limited number of players. But 
this will separate the quote, you know, men from the boys when it comes to like how hard line up are you about your opinions? Like, are you actually because like I think that so many of these athletes are just like, I'll do when I get to it. Uh, I don't need to like like that's why you have. the, And that's why you have the mandate. Right. I know you know that I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) because so many people fall into that category of like, oh, I don't really feel like it. Yeah. That as soon as you have like a real barrier in place, a ton of low hanging fruit just drops right off. And yeah, once your ability to play baseball depends on it. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of dudes changing their tune about personal choice real quick. Um, It's almost like it's not even actually a personal choice, but in fact, these decisions affect everyone around us. Hmm. Hmm. What an idea. Almost like. Um, so one, one last note, uh, it's not necessarily a happy note, but it's just something that we, we feel an obligation to note on this podcast. Um, we learned recently that Trevor Bauer will not face criminal charges for his, for the allegations, uh, of sexual assault against him. Uh, and he had, but he has been placed on administrative leave as the league determines whether to suspend him. During the lockout, the league could not really do anything because there was a lockout. So they couldn't really hand down a suspension during the lockout. Uh, Now the lockout's over, but I guess they aren't done deciding. Like they couldn't decide over the course of the entire time he was on administrative leave last season and then into the winter uh, whether he deserved a suspension or not, but apparently they haven't decided yet. So he's been placed on administrative leave while they decide whether to suspend him or not. We shall see. Um, you know, the fact that he is not has not faced criminal charges and the fact that the, um, you know, the restraining order like was thrown out um, and he the the uh, woman uh, accusing him was not granted a restraining order against him. Um, he's going to use that all as evidence to say, like, see, I did nothing wrong. But there there is a precedent for the league handing down suspensions against guys who did not face criminal charges. Like that is not necessarily, that does not preclude the league from making its own decision on the matter. Including like Jose Reyes, for example. Yes. And it's important. I mean, and that's something important to keep in mind because the actual criminal side of this happens so, so rarely. You know, if that was going to be the standard, then like there would never be any suspensions, which I know is what some people would really prefer. Would really want. Yeah. Because these things never freaking get prosecuted. <laughs> um, which is why women don't come forward. Um, so we'll see uh, on that. I don't know. I imagine that if there's a suspension, he'll appeal it. Um, even though it's not often that players appeal when they get suspended under the domestic violence policy. Dave Roberts said there's one player missing in camp, and I guess we can all figure out who that player is. Although, I mean, this guy did fucking show up to the CBA negotiations with a goddamn GoPro. And I was like, go away. Yeah. Nobody wants you here. Yeah. Nobody likes one you. One nice go thing away. about his suspension was just that it was it was kind of quiet for a little while. It was yeah, it was like he went away. It was amazing. He it's shut up to forever. Oh, anyway, that's enough breath wasted on him for this week. 
Um, we will end the show <laughs> like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. I think we're all happy about baseball right now. Um, but Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? No, that actually was. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's been a slow week. Okay. I've been very distracted mostly by the fact that baseball is back. Um, no, it, it really is just the baseball being back. I it's, you know, it's one of those things where you don't know what you got till it's gone. But then sometimes when it's gone, you, you start to get numb to it. And then it comes back and you're like, Oh, right. This was a primary source of joy in my life. Right. And it all of a sudden explains so much, but it's just, it's just lovely to be spending more time on Twitter and not hating myself for it. And to see pictures and video taken today of Mets who I love being happy and making noises with balls and bats. That's just, uh, it's been way too long and my heart is happy. It's 60 degrees outside. Like let's do this thing. I'm ready. Yeah. It's, it's no small thing to realize that like, I barely remember what like Twitter when I'm not just doom scrolling is like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like, I like I that that kind of just hit me for the first time, like the way you put that, Maggie, like I look at Twitter and like, yeah, there's still like shit that makes me want to like throw my phone across the room every minute. But, like <laughs> at least there's also. But we can't do anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> at least this way we have we have this because like, like break the whole, up the garbage, the whole lockout it was constant doom scrolling because it was like all the baseball stuff was bad. And then there was also everything else <laughs> gestures widely <laughs> at the world. Everything um, was just bad. Yeah. And now it's like at least, yeah, interspersed between all the doom. There's like, you know, Jacob deGrom throwing bullpens and I find a reason to want to live again. <laughs> Like it's, I want to live again. I want to live, live again. Clarence. I want to live again. Like, please. I want to live again. Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> we might need new hobbies y'all. <laughs> oh, I this seriously is really, like not that. the healthiest moment of my life, I, but also I, extremely. Is accurate. Jacob DeGrom Clarence? I just want to ask. He, he, I, I mean, it, it feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seriously said that, though. I was like, I it, like when the lockout was like at its peak or like when, you know, I really thought there wasn't going to be a new CBA after there was hope for the first couple of times and it was shattered. I was like, I seriously might need to find a new hobby and I like don't know what to do. <laughs> like, can someone help me find a non-baseball personality? Because I don't know <laughs> like what to do about this. Um. But yeah, it's 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 great that I don't have to find a non-baseball personality. <laughs> My personality can remain baseball. It's great. Um, Linda Cervich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, kind of similar. Um, uh, I've had the worst couple weeks recently, and it everything just kept piling on. So seeing like all the CBA stuff, like it was making me actively hate baseball. Like this guy in khakis walked past the parking lot. Then this guy in khakis walked past the parking lot. Like, it was just so irritating. Like it was insufferable. It's true. Yes. 
it's like there's bigger world problems here and then i don't care about any of you right now like my rage was just like oh i hated them i hated everybody who was involved oh every update just made me angrier and angrier so it was like they were making me hate this thing that i loved and how dare so, you make Linda hate anything? I know. It's like, all people. I know. Like, what did I do to deserve that? So, and then everything else on top of it, like, it was just awful. Like, like I said, everything's just been awful. Um, but, you know, and Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, like we said, then seeing Pete be okay and then being Pete, like, that helped. Lindor was smiling again today. Like, Lindor seemed excited. He was happy. So, like, but what I needed, I love all of them with all my heart and very dearly. But J.D. Davis, I saw a picture of J.D. Davis, and I literally burst out crying. <laughs> because I've just been in that kind of mental space like it was just a picture of him smiling and he posted it on his Instagram and that was what I really needed not Jacob DeGrom not Max Scherzer it was my mans and I'm glad my mans is still on the team even though there's still a real chance he won't be if they make another trade but for now, I saw my mans and he was happy and smiling. And it just seemed like so long because he was hurt so much last year. And it, like we said, it was a long, hard winter. But, it was. you know, at least the sun's out again. It's warm. Spring is on the horizon. The sun is out longer now. So, J.D. Davis, that's my walk-off win this week is my man. Daylight savings time might go away forever. It might. Yeah. Sunshine like savior act or something. Yeah. We that that happened today. The Senate unanimously passed a a bill that would get rid of daylight savings. It's a, as in we wouldn't change our clocks anymore at all. It would just like go. It would actually it stay on daylight time is the proposal. Well, like I said, yeah. if daylight needs saving, that sounds like the sun a job for the sunshine superman. And we it's just have whoever such Whoever a drafted up that law must have small children because God <laughs> help us. This is, it's just the worst. Um, I think it was uh, uh, Rubio and uh, oh my God, White House that were the co-sponsors of the yeah. Daylight Savings. I mean, um, if nothing else can bring us all together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the love that. of it being light when we leave the office. I have uh, I have two walk-off wins for this week. One of them is very similar to what Linda and Maggie were talking about, but I'll, I'll, I'll like hone in on, obviously I am broadly happy with baseball being back in general, that, you know, that serotonin boost is so much needed right now. Um, but my more specific walk-off win related to baseball being back is that now that opening day is April 7th, uh, Max Scherzer's Mets debut will now occur in Washington, D.C. at Nats Park, and I will be present. <laughs> so I am Woo. out of my Not mind in a Max Scherzer jersey MLB team store. I know. I'm, I'm well, I, I'm still trying to make that happen. <laughs> okay, sorry. I didn't mean to. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a touchy subject, Maggie. We need it's the jersey. It's a touchy subject, Maggie. I have gone through, uh, let me just side divert <laughs> to say that I have gone through a little bit of the uh, saga with the Mets team store in the past like week or so. So I've been <laughs> complaining incessantly about the fact that Max Scherzer jerseys are not online. There are jerseys, as Linda Oh, there are? Out. 
There are. Yes. There actually are. They exist. They Although exist. Not, bla- not in black, unfortunately. Not in black. <laughs> only the blue. The blue and orange. Ooh, but they, they are there. I mean, they, they only have unisex ones, but they are oh. there. Um, that is literally the only Scherzer merchandise that exists on the Mets website right now. It's just Scherzies. <laughs> uh, like Scherzer, like T-shirt jerseys. I That's am plum freaking desperate to throw money I don't have at this stupid team to get a black Scherzer jersey. I could cry. I know, right? So long I've been waiting and I still can't do it. So I've been on fanatics. God, it's I've been so annoyed about this and I've been checking it every single day religiously trying to get a Max Scherzer jersey in women's sizes and they don't have it. And even in the custom so you can get obviously you can get custom jerseys. And in the custom jerseys, for those of you who have not explored this web page before, oh, it's in, so the, great. in the custom jerseys, there's a drop down menu and you can basically get like any active player on the roster. Right? I have it up right now. Travis. So Blankenhorn. Do I. <laughs> Travis Blankenhorn. Halia Lee. You can purchase. Patrick Mazika. Robert Gazelman, who is not even on the He's team. Not on the team anymore. The, the, the current drop down menu is frozen at last year's like final 40 man roster. So Scherzer's not on the drop-down menu. You can physically type in Scherzer 21 if you want to, but I refuse to on principle because this is a crime. <laughs> that is not in the drop-down menu, and I'm so annoyed. They haven't updated their website. So I got so mad that I tweeted about it. And then finally, the other day, the Mets team store replied to my tweet and was like, you can order a Max Scherzer jersey by calling the team store. And I was like, I can, Ugh, and you can deliver it to call? me. You can deliver it to me in Washington, D.C. And they were like, we sure can. And I was like, great. So I called them. Of course, no one picks up. (laughs) But then, and it's during their business hours. Their business hours, they're online. But then I saw also online that they have like a little form you can fill out. Like one of those like generic contact us forms. So I did. I filled out the form. I wrote in the body of the thing. I want a Max Scherzer jersey in women's sizes so desperately. Please, please, please let me give you money. Um. And then, you know, within like 20 minutes, someone emailed me like, hi, we have Max Scherzer jerseys in women's sizes available in the home white pinstripe or the black. And I was like, great, I'll take a home white pinstripe, please. And they were like, all right, you can call us to order. (laughs) I want to die. Did they say they did have it in the black? They do have it in the black, at least according to the person that emailed me. You have to do a phone team, man. So then I, so I get this email and I'm like, okay. Cause they, they don't want to take credit card and payment info over email, which I totally understand and is probably the most secure way to do things. So I get this email and I'm like, great. I call them. It's like, cause their, their business hours are 10 AM to 5 PM. By the time I got this email, it was like, it was like 4 53 PM, but I called them and this time someone picked up, but she was like, Ooh, sorry, can't do that right now. And I assumed it was because they were like closing in five minutes. And I was like, fine, I'll call tomorrow. I tried three different times today to call oh and God. no one picked up. And it was all <laughs> during their business hours. And so I am like so mad at this point. I'm just like, oh, I want us to give you money. Like, please. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. We'll see how this saga unfolds. But my Stay ultimate tuned, goal- Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned, folks. My ultimate goal is to have a Max Scherzer Mets jersey on my body as I enter Nats Park on April 8th. That is my only goal in this life. Way um, to market your players, Mads. I know, right? Uh, like Max Scherzer's, like, I, so arguably other than Jacob deGrom and maybe Lindor Alonso, but probably more so than them, Max Scherzer's the most famous player on the team. 
<laughs> well, I'm looking right now, and the, I want a blue jersey. And the only option for blue is Lindor, and they don't even have a customizable option. Nope. Yeah, no, the, they they've been, They have offered many few fewer customizables than even they used to a few years ago. It's, I know, um, like. I wanted the blue in Scherzer as well, because the blue is my preferred, as everyone knows. But I will settle for the white pinstripe. That is fine. If you will sell it to me, please sell it to me. <laughs> I, like I'm begging. <laughs> anyway, so that I really do want the black because I don't hate the black jerseys and because I have all the other jerseys already. I don't have <laughs> and I want a blue. nice new one. I want a blue. And like a Lindor I have the Lindor blue one. Great, and a gray. But I wish that's I not what you're option. feeling right now. I guess. Yeah. So. Apparently, all we have to do is make a phone call and answer these riddles three. <laughs> right? Like, I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to have to, like, solve a cipher. Um, but I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, just let me give you the money. Anyway, I will, I will figure this out. It will happen. Um, my second walk-off win, though, is that um, the University of Delaware basketball team both the men's and the women's teams made the ncaa tournament which is congratulations for delaware delaware is not a basketball school they're barely even a football school although they did produce elite quarterback joe flacco (laughs) (laughs) um but you know they're more known for football than they are for basketball and so it's pretty rare for the, either the men's or the women's team to make the tournament. Um, the women had a run of success um, when I actually was at UD my senior year in 2013. Um, Elena Deladon was the star of the UD basketball team. And it was only because she originally was like recruited on a scholarship to go to UConn, obviously noted powerhouse of women's basketball, women's college basketball. But she was homesick um, and, you know, her and wanted to be near her family, especially her sister. Um, And so she came home to Delaware, where she's from, and became the star of the Delaware basketball team, because obviously anyone who would be accepted at UConn for basketball is going to be the star of the Delaware team. And she led them to an elite eight appearance in the NCAA tournament. Um, And that was like the most successful UD basketball team like ever. Um, And, you know, ever since then, really neither the men nor the women have been very successful. The men in 21 seasons, the men have only won the conference twice. Um, And so this year they won the conference and therefore got the automatic bid to the tournament. And I was present because uh, the conference champion, the CAA conference championship occurred in D.C. in the Washington Mystics Stadium, actually where Elena Deladon is a player (laughs) on the Mystics. So um, that was very fun getting to be there and seeing the men, um, the men's team make the NCAA tournament. I was so excited. And then literally like two days later, maybe even a day later, the women uh, won the CAA also um, and they made the tournament that happened in Philly. So I didn't get to go, but it, this is the first time in school history, both the men and the women have made the tournament in the same year. Um, so it's just very exciting. And the women play Maryland, uh, University of Maryland in the first round of the tournament at College Park. And my friend and I will be in attendance uh, on Friday night. So I'm very excited. Um, they are a huge underdog <laughs> against Maryland. Uh, both both well, the men and the women are now. So 
Yeah, both so the men and the women are huge underdogs in their first round matchups. The the men even more so than the women. The men are like a 15 seed playing a two seed and the women are like a 13 seed playing a five or a four or something like that. Um, Maryland's like a four seed. Um, so it's it's not likely that they will make it out of the first round, but even making a tournament, even making the tournament's a huge win and both the men and the women in the same year. It was just, it was really cool. And especially getting to be there. Um, the men like- in the CAA tournament, the men were the first five seed. They were a five seed in the conference tournament. And it's the first time a five seed has ever won the conference. They upset in every round. Like they beat a higher seed in every round they played it. So that was very cool. Um, I, it was, it was very awesome. And I'm, I'm excited for, for the blue hens. Go blue hens. I'm very excited. Go blue hens. Yay. Yay. Um, so that does it for the show this week. Um, now that baseball is back, we have so much more content for you over at amazingavenue.com. We have our, all our season previews are going up. Remember when we did season previews? That's a thing again. Now, um, we will be previewing every player's season, a different player every day. You can read all that over at amazingavenue.com. You can follow amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at amazing Avenue. You should subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, You should subscribe to our entire suite of pods. They all are fantastic. And if you want to hear more about the trade from the prospect perspective, I'm sure that our From Complex to Queens guys have you covered. Um, You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petit PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Sarovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting. Baseball's back. Baseball's back.